I appreciate Pastor Tony for giving me this opportunity to to preach God's word again to you this morning, especially after last time. Uh, I didn't think he was going to let me preach again after what happened last time, but I... (laughs) But I promise there's going to be no changing or any of that kind of stuff. I won't have Todd come up and put on a wig and be Potiphar's wife at all or anything this morning. So you guys are going to have to help me to stay on my best behavior. Amen. <laughs> but appreciate Pastor Tony for giving me the opportunity to be here again with you this morning and give God's word and share with you what's on my heart and what God has been speaking to me this morning. Uh, God's been speaking to me a lot lately about identity and I just love how he operates, right? I love how he operates. See, because when you go to him about a specific topic, he'll actually begin to reveal things to you to help you understand the bigger picture. He'll relate it to what he's really showing you, and oftentimes he'll go much deeper with you then. And then he'll take you beyond you and your initial question, because let's face it, the majority of times that we go to God... We go to God about us, right? But oftentimes, when you really, truly seek him, he'll reveal so much more to you and take you and make you see the bigger picture, so much so that you'll get beyond you and see what God really wants to show you. And that's what God has really been doing with me lately. You know, he's, he's been downloading and revealing so much to me over this about identity. And as many of you guys know, I grew up without a father. And so more so lately, I've been going to God and asking him, what is my identity? What is my identity? And he's been telling me things like, I just want you to be a son. I just want you to be a son, right? Like, that's what he's saying. I just want you to be a son, that's your identity. You're a son. You're my son. And that's what he says. And that's what he's been saying to me. But now that, now that he's kind of revealed those things to me, and as I've been stepping into what God has been revealing to me, now he's been taking me a, a bit deeper that goes beyond me. Because, you know, it's not about you and I. We've got to make it about him. Amen? And it's interesting because what he's been showing me Because it's still about identity, but it's about him. His original intent for us, but how it gets covered up. If you need a message title for today, you're taking notes, you want to put this on the top. God spoke this so clear to me, and he says, tell them that there is something underneath the dirt. Tell them there's something underneath the dirt. So I'm going to read a little bit to you, read, read some scripture to you, and then I'm going to teach. I'm going to try to break down what God has been showing me, and hopefully if there's time, I'm going to bring in an illustration to make it more real to you. And so I'm going to read, teach, and preach. Amen? Amen. If you haven't caught on yet for the title or the picture of the screen yet, we're going to talk about wells this morning. So what is a well? Well, I'm glad you asked. A well is an excavation or structure in the ground to access water. That's its purpose. And then anytime you hear about water in the Bible, water represents or water speaks of life. Give you a few scriptures to give you direction. I'm going to read and I'm going to need some participation from you guys this morning. So follow me in John 4.14. It says... 
<clears throat> but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him becomes in him a well of water springing up to... Yeah, there we go. John seven thirty eight. Who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his belly will flow rivers of... We even get baptized with water, symbolizing a purification of the soul or new life. Romans 6, 4, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a... Okay, John 4, 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that has asked you to give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you... Who brings life? Jesus. Jeremiah 2.13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spirit of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold any water. Now, a cistern are just water storage containers. Unlike a well that keeps filling up from the water table itself, a cistern is just a water storage container. It's just a water storage container, and once it runs out, then they have to fill it up. They have to work to fill it up. Jeremiah 17, 13, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken me, the Lord, the, forsaken me, the Lord, the spring of living water. I'm going to talk with you guys about Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 21. If you go there, Genesis 21, verse 25 through 31, this is a time, you'll be up on the screens, this is a time when Isaac, Abraham's son, was born. And during this time, Abraham and his servants had dug wells in this general area. I don't want you guys to stay with me here. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech, uh, about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me, and, you, and, and I only heard about it today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men had made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven lambs from the flock, and Abimelech had asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven lambs that you have set apart by themselves? And, and he, he replied, accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. And so then this place was then called Beersheba. A few things that are interesting that I want you to take note and I want you guys to remember is that Abimelech was a Philistine king in the city of Gerar, which is where they were at the time. Keep that in mind, the city of Gerar, because we're going to go back to that. Abimelech's servants, the Philistines, took over Abraham's wells. Abraham then set apart seven lambs from the flock. Interesting number there is seven. The place was then called Beersheba. Beer meaning well and Sheba meaning seven. So it wasn't just a well. It was multiple wells that Abraham has dug. Let's move on now to Genesis 26. This is the time of Isaac. 
a very same scenario that his father was in. Here now, Abraham has passed away though. And Isaac is now grown. So this is the story of Isaac. Give you a little backdrop. There's a famine in the land. And before this, his father Abraham had been in the same place of Gerar, where he was also in a famine. And God spoke to Abraham and he said, go down to Egypt, I'm gonna supply for you there, and then I'll bring you back. And here we are now, a son now of Abraham, Isaac, who is in the same situation, the same place his father was in, and immediately he said, well, if I'm in a famine, then I'm gonna do the same thing that my father did, I'll just go to the land of Egypt. And God says, no, I want you to dwell in the city of Gerar. See, Abraham was allowed to go to Egypt, but God spoke so clearly to Isaac, and he said, in this season, I cannot allow you to go back to Egypt, which represents the world system in the world's way. He said, you've got to stay in the land of Gerar. We're going to pick up in verse 12 through 15. I told you we're going to do a lot of reading, and then I'm going to do some teaching. So Isaac planted crops in the land. Now, wasn't he in a famine? You don't plant crops in a famine right? It's a drought. You don't plant seeds in, in, in a famine. And, but then in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Let me tell you, when you're obedient to God, he's going to bless you, right? Come on. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines even envied him. And so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of, of, of his father Abraham, the Philistines plugged them up, filling them with dirt. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us because you have become too powerful for us. And so Isaac moved away from there and he encamped in the city of Gerar where he settled. Isaac then reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had plugged up after Abraham had died, and he gave them the same names that his father has given them. Interesting here. Gerar's original meaning in Hebrew was ruminate. The word ruminate means to go over in the mind repeatedly and often, casually or slowly. It also means to chew repeatedly for an extended period of time. How many of you know that we need to go over in our minds and chew on God's word repeatedly and slowly? Come on. Gerard's original meaning in Hebrew was to ruminate, which is the same word for meditate. Gerar was a Philistine-controlled city that was in between Egypt and Israel. It was an in-between place, also considered a land of attractions. Stay with me. And then they, the Philistines, they used this to lure travelers to stay there when they were traveling in between Egypt and Israel. So it was a tourist town full of attractions. And have you ever noticed that whenever you go to carnivals or circuses or any kind of attractions, they set it up so that you go in circles? Stay with me. 
God's original name for the place of Gerar was supposed to be a place for meditation, supposed to be a place of prayer, supposed to be a place of worship, and the Philistines come into the city and they do a few things. They start doing things to lure tourists in, and then they were building attractions, let me translate, distractions, and they covered up Abraham's wells. So they started building things to cover up the fact that there were, what does water represent? Life. So they started doing things to cover up wells that were underneath this dirt or life that was underneath this dirt. And so any time that God has done previously with Abraham as a transition from Abraham to the next generation, the Philistines come in and they cover up the wells. And they started building distractions so that people wouldn't remember what had happened in that city. And now instead of drinking from water, they're walking in circles. And see, any time that you are outside the will of God, you go in, come on, Israelites. <sighs> but the original intent was for you to come to Gerar and ruminate. It's the place where you meditate. It's the place where you marinate. It's the place where you just wait on God. And as you meditate, you begin to revelate. Come on. Because when you meditate with God, he begins to speak to you. He'll begin to tell you things, and he'll begin to show you things, and he'll begin to encourage you, and he'll reveal things to you and about you that the world has covered up. Watch this. Isaac comes in the middle of a famine, and he comes into the city, and as he's ruminating, God begins revelating things to him concerning wells or life that have been covered up by the Philistines. And as he's ruminating, as he's meditating, he starts to get a revelation. Hey, my daddy dug wells here. Which means somewhere below this dirt, there's some wells. Come on. Somewhere in the midst of all these distractions, there's some life. I want you to see this because I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. There's a well inside of you. I want you to see what God is saying about you. You were made from some things. Plural. You were made from some things. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man or the body of man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being an individual complete in body and spirit you see we often think that we are just dust stay with me genesis 1:28 god blessed them and said be fertile increase in number fill the earth and be its master Roll the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that crawl the earth. See, we are supposed to roll over it, but I don't know where we got it twisted, but now it seems like that it is rolling over us. And why? It's because we get distracted. Yes, I say we, because I, I know at times we point our fingers and we and we poke fun at the women, saying it's their fault. They did it first. 
They made me do it. But can I be honest? The enemy knows our weaknesses. In women, can I go there? <laughs> Women's, women usually have a weakness for food. Ice cream, chocolate, chocolate ice cream. <laughs> Come on, it's in scripture, Genesis 3, 6. The woman saw that the food was good and pleasing to the eye. Right? <laughs> but fellas, do I have to tell you what our weakness is? Who gave us the food? <laughs> yeah, she made me do it. Mm -hmm. A wise man once said nothing because he was a wise man. <laughs> That's why I'm going to stop. <laughs> I know... <laughs> I know a few men in the Bible who quoted that she was pleasing to the eye. Come on, David, Samson, should I go on? <laughs> Come on, we both got distracted, right? The enemy knows our weakness, so yes, he's going to use the women and their weakness with food, and then he's going to use us, our weakness with women. Come on, right? And because of this, in Genesis 3:17, the dirt is then cursed, right? Then to Abraham, the Lord God said, because you have listened to the, to, to the voice of your wife and have eaten the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. The ground is now under a curse because of you. In sorrow and toil, you shall eat the fruit all the days of your life. You see, the same dirt that we were created from is now cursed. In essence, we are cursed by the sins or distractions that are in our own lives, which brings sorrow and toil. You ever notice that? You ever notice that your sins actually bring you sorrow and toil? Have your sins ever destroyed something beautiful in your life? Come on, I know a lot of you guys have heard this saying that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than what you want to, than what you want to pay. Genesis 3.23, Therefore the Lord God sent Abraham away from the Garden of Eden to till and cultivate the ground from which he was taken from. See, we have to observe what is wrong with us and cultivate it. Mm -hmm. You want to partner with that? You want to go ahead and dig your own cisterns? Okay, then go fill it up and work it yourselves. Yes, we were created from dirt. Yes, the devil distracted us. Yes, we sinned. And yes, the dirt was then cursed, which created death. But don't you forget the second part of what you were created from. You see, a lot of us only identify ourselves as dirt. You weren't just created from dirt. That's just the body. That's just the flesh. And the flesh must die. Come on. But that's not what gave you life. God breathed. into you the breath of life then the man became a living being complete body and spirit come on it was just a pile of dirt at first 
And when we got distracted, the dirt was cursed. We were only formed by the dirt. And isn't it interesting that it's the form that, that which, which, which distracts us or attracts us, right? It's the shape, the size of your hips and your thighs, but we don't see what's inside. We get distracted and it brings death. He didn't come or he didn't become alive and aware until God breathed into him The dirt is not what gives you life. It's the dirt that covers up the life. John 7, 38, he, we'll go back to that scripture, he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will will flow rivers of living water. Out of his belly will flow life. And you were here for this now season, this now moment, and you were living in the modern day of Gerar, and we've got to find some wells underneath this dirt. Come on, somebody, right? But before you can do that, you have to be set free from the lies of what you believe. You have to unearth Come on, undirt, right? Unearth some things that are a part of you now that had nothing to do with what God's original intent was for you. And unearthing, unearthing is hard because it highlights a lot of dirt in which you thought was true and it really isn't. Right? And sometimes it's hard to believe the opposite, opposite when you've listened and believed the lie for so long. You're fat, you're ugly, you're not good at sports, you'll never do this, you'll never be that, you're weak, you're too small, nobody wants you, nobody loves you, come on. You've believed that and you've heard that for so long that it starts to become a part of you, the flesh, the dirt, and it's death. Does that, does that not bring life to you or bring death to you? <sighs> you got to get into the word that brings life. You've got to ruminate. You have to go over in your minds and chew on God's word repeatedly and slowly until you believe what he's saying about you. Let it speak life to you and reveal things about you that was covered up and that you've forgotten. As a matter of fact, what you got to do is put yourself in it while you are reading it like the story is about you. I was talking to a dear friend of mine named Jeff. Jeff is actually traveling right now to Kentucky with his family, so keep him in prayers for safe travels. But Jeff and I, we have this really cool relationship where we check in on one another on a weekly basis. And he told me, he said, Corey, I've been reading the book of Ephesians, but I'm not just reading it. I'm looking at it as though it was a letter written to me. And there's a lot in there. And I just thought that that was so powerful because that's what we need to do. But most of the time, what we do when we read the Bible, when we read the book, we look at the Bible like a scientist dissecting a dead bird instead of a zoologist observing a living one. Which means there are some things that you can accurately see when you dissect a dead bird, but the bird is no longer still alive, so you can't hear the bird sing. You can't understand the bird's purpose. All you can do is describe the contents of the bird. And that's what we've done with this book. Some of us are really good at describing the contents of the book, but we don't understand its purpose. 
Some of us are really good at describing the contents of ourselves, but we don't understand our true purpose. Come on, I got my hair cut today. Girl, wait till you see it. It looks like this. It looks like that. I went to the gym today, and it was leg day, so my legs are sore, but boy, my legs are swole now, right? So we're good at describing the contents of ourselves, but, we're not, but, but some of us don't understand our true purpose. But what you gotta understand is just like us, we were created from dirt, but we did not get life until God breathed. Until God breathed. It's the same thing with the Bible. The Bible is alive. How is it alive? Because God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And if you understand anything at all about the first two chapters of Genesis, you'd understand that that the story is about dirt, water, and wind. And if you understand dirt, water, and wind, you understand the whole Bible. And then when wind blows, wind and breath are the same word in the Hebrew and the Greek. And whenever God breathes, he breathes his spirit. And whenever his spirit is present, his spirit imparts Christ a well inside of us, Christ in you. When we try to make this book say anything other than what the story is about, we end up doing something that is not inspired, in spirit, which is why the spirit can't impart Christ to us because when you take a portion of the story that isn't part of the story, you are now creating your own story. You are now creating your own identity, which does not bring life. And all of creativity that you see is only a perversion of the original well, of the original intent. And God gives us an opportunity to expose the distractions and find the well, the life that is underneath them. And quit looking for the world to fulfill the will of God. It's already inside of you. You just have got to release it. And when you release what you have in you, you begin to open up wells of living water for other people to come and drink. People don't go to people who don't have something to offer them. So they are coming to you. And you need to be a source of well for them to come and drink. But I think that's hard for us because a lot of our wells are plugged up. But I'm here to tell you, there's something underneath your dirt I've been doing some research over these last few weeks for you, and this messed me up. I realize that some of you may already know some of the stuff that I'm about to say, but I'm hoping that you'll really get what I'm saying. Because some of you probably know what I'm about to say about this state in this area, but some of you haven't got it yet. And I'm hoping that when I say it, God will open your eyes and your ears to it. The name Pennsylvania comes from a man named William Penn who came here as an early Quaker. Early Quakers 
were a Protestant group of people whose sole mission was to travel both throughout Britain and overseas preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are united by a belief in the ability of each human being to experience that of God in everyone. Come on. To see that there's a well in everyone. They base their message on the belief that Christ has come to teach his people himself. Teach his people himself. How is, how is he going to teach his people himself when he's not here? Aren't we his people? Doesn't Christ live in us? Colossians 1.27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And they based their message on the belief that Christ has come to teach his people himself. How so? By stressing the importance of a direct relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and they stressed a personal direct experience of Christ acquired through reading and studying the Bible. Quakers focused their private lives on developing behavior and speech, reflecting emotional purity with the goal of Christian perfection. We don't talk with emotional purity anymore. We are so filled with negativity and so much dirt right now, which is cursed. And because the world has covered up this Quaker movement, God's original intent was for us to know that he is in us and wants relationship with us. Earl, I hope you don't mind that I share this story. I met with Earl a few weeks ago, and he shared this story with me. He said there was a time that he met, that, 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 that he, he goes on walks with God to have that relationship with him, and there was a time that he was going, and it was raining, and he's like, I just don't really feel like going to, to, to walk with God in the garden or in the, on the trail, and, and he said, you know what, but I'm going to do it anyways, and he went, and he, and he got his paper, he got his coffee, and he went and sat, and he read his paper, read his coffee, and when he was done, it was raining at the time and when 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 it when <laughs> you, you could probably explain it better but it, it was raining at the time but when he was done reading his paper done uh, drinking his coffee at the time when he was ready to get out of his car to go walk with God it stopped raining and he said okay good that's great that's awesome I'm gonna go walk with God now he walked and then when he gave, when, when he walked with God had that relationship with God he came back got into his car and as he came back and got into his car it started raining again Woke up the next day, did the same exact thing, right, Earl? The same exact thing happened. He went and, he, and he, he, he got his paper, got his coffee, went, sat in the car, read his paper. As he got done drinking his coffee, it stopped raining. Did the same thing, walked, and then as he got back, it started raining again. And he said, and he, said he prayed to God, he talked to God, he said, God, thank you for making it to stop raining so I can be with you. And he said that God spoke to him and he said, I didn't stop the rain for you. I stopped it for me because I want to be with you. I want relationship with you. Isn't that right? 
But the enemy comes in and he planted a little seed of hate, anger, and greed inside of us away from purity, which then gets us to start unbelieving. And instead of having a relationship with God, his original intent, right, Earl? His original intent with us to have a relationship with us, we start having a relationship with the world then and partnering with all of its tactics. You see, God's original intent, this state's name, was based off of one man whose goal was to come here and tell people about the Christ, the well who lives with inside of you. How about our local area? I'm here to tell you that there, there are some wells underneath this dirt. Do you know that the phrase, in God we trust, that you see on all of our coins and paper money was actually established right here in Milton, Pennsylvania by Governor James Pollock in 1861? Do you guys know that? Original intent here in this area was for us to establish in God we trust. We trust God. But the enemy comes in and covers it up with so many lies and makes us question, wait a minute, look, distracted, look at what's all, at what's all going on. Can I really trust God? This whole place right here that you guys are in, this whole place is here because of revival. What would it look like if we start tapping in again to our spiritual inheritance that is in this area by trusting God? But first we have to dig up and shake off all the dirt that has covered it all up. Because you see, anytime a move of God happens, the enemy comes and tries to cover it up. That's exactly what happened in Gerar, a move of God with Abraham, and the Philistines covered up his wells. Isaac had so much favor with God that the Philistines envied him, and the king Abimelech said, move away from us. You have become too powerful. And then they covered up his wells. And the funny thing is here is that when they cover up a move of God, it becomes a tourist place for people to gather, which was its original intent for people to gather in worship, but the enemy covers it up and takes credit for its attractions. I mean, distractions. <laughs> and takes credit for its creativity. Everything that you see in this area that is not of God is just a perversion of the original well. Sammy or Shane, whoever spoke a few weeks ago, <laughs> said it so wonderfully the other week, right? Sometimes we give the enemy too much credit. Satan is not creative. He is only the biggest perverter of what is true. And he has become so good at perverting things that we have given him credit for creativity. But everything you see of creativity in this area do not give the enemy any credit because he is only perverting God's original intent for his church. I'm here to tell you there's something underneath this dirt. And if we don't wake up, we're going to miss our, our, our movement. We're going to miss our moment. 
they missed it back in 1969, the church certainly missed it. And they missed it because of creativity. They have gotten so tied down to the traditions that they lost creativity. When I was in college studying music production, I had to write a report on a major music movement in history. And I studied this movement in 1969. A group of men started to play a new sound that they heard from God. And they wanted to do it in the church. In the church because it sounded different, because it looked different. Then they thought, well, this is obviously not God because it doesn't line up with our hymn books. It lined up with the Bible, but it didn't line up with their hymn books, and they fell asleep. And all of a sudden, these group of men left the church because the church rejected the sound that God had given them, and they went just a little ways down the road and started a little thing called Woodstock. Yeah, just a little thing that drew hundreds of thousands of people and birthed the sexual revolution that we are still fighting against in the body today. In that movement in 1969, you'll find all the characteristics of an apostolic movement, perverted. See, the Bible says in Acts 2.46, it says that when they got into an apostolic movement, when the church was birthed, they started meeting together daily. They broke bread daily. They had all things in common, and they had an experience called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But when they got into 1969, Satan took the creativity that God was releasing and the church rejected and Satan took it and poured it out into the world and birthed the sexual revolution. And what did they do? They met together daily. They broke bread daily. They had all things in common. They were more like the church than the church. Look how Satan can take the creativity and pervert it so much that the world looks like the church more than the church looks like the church. And then they started selling everything. They started giving to the poor and they got buildings where they could give stuff away and feed people. And then they started tripping on LSD and drugs and all these things. Why? Because they were in a perverted move and that's where they got messed up because they did everything like the church from an apostolic movement except the last part. Instead of an an experience with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the drugs is what gave them the high or the ride of their life and they missed the greatest element which was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there's some of you that have just got to get this reality that you have never experienced a high, and I know this is cliche, until you've gotten in touch with the most high. He is the greatest high, and from it produces life, and not bondage, and addiction, and frustration, and broken homes. When he does something in you, it may look weird at first. God knows we've all manifested weird. Come on, right? But man, it produces life, and I feel God wanted me to share this message with you that there's something underneath the dirt, so it's time to dig. It's time to dig. And you've got to quit living life by what you see in the natural because you're only one time of digging away from not dealing with the fact 
that it hasn't rained in a long time? Because it's in you. Did you know that the first thing that happened with the flood of Noah, it was not rain. It was fountains of the deep opening up first. Genesis 7, 11, right? It was the fountains, it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventh day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and then the windows of heaven were opened. And I feel this in my spirit, that there are some of you that have looked at your life, and you had thought, what can God ever do with my dirt? And if you just let God dig, it's amazing what God can do with something that's broken if he has all the pieces. If you just give it to him, if you just ruminate, if you just meditate, if you would just learn this anointed phrase in prayer called shut up, Some of us are good at doing all the talking and we don't take time to listen or ruminate. Like a bank account, right? You can't keep making withdrawals without putting in some deposits. What happens? You go dry. You'll dry up. And speaking of wells, if you're pumping out so much so fast without letting the water table fill back up, it creates something that they call a cone of depression. A cone of depression, and what it does is that it sucks up the well dry and fills up with dirt. As you can see, the cone of depression, you see the first well right there, and, and you see the neighboring house that also has a well. You see how, the, how it cones, right? And what's interesting here is that what it does is it doesn't only affect your house, your temple, but it affects the whole water table affecting others around you, your neighbors well. Isn't that what happens with us? We get into our own cone of depression and oftentimes it affects others around us, does it not? I saw this illustration before, I'm not gonna do it here, but, it's, but when a person was standing up on a table I don't know if you guys have seen this before, but it was easier to pull the person down than it was for the person standing on the table to pull that person up. We are supposed to be salt of the earth. But if we can't do that, if we can't be salt of the earth, then what good are we but to be thrown out and trampled under men's feet like dirt? That's what the Bible says. And can I share? I can see some of you still need when I can see. Some of you guys still need assurance. Some of you guys still need assurance because you haven't got it yet. You haven't got it yet. You're like, yeah, okay, PC, that sounds good, but you know, I mean, I guess it depends. <laughs> Never mind. 
let me show you, all right? I had to, I, when, when I bought this, I, had to, I bought them, you know, at Walmart, and I was going through Walmart. You know, you, when, you, when I go to Walmart, I never see anybody I know. But, you know, when I had this in my cart, I had to cover it up. And, of course, when I got it, I had it in my cart, and then I see everybody that I know. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to show you guys what this looks like so you guys can get a better idea of what it is that I'm talking about here. All right? Some of us need reassurance of what's really happening, what's really going on. So if you guys don't know, assurance depends. It's like a male diaper, right? <laughs> so let me see. I'll open this up. Uh, the worship team, if you guys want to come on up as I'm preparing for this illustration. All right. So what does water represent? Life, right? So this is water, right? I'll prove it. This is water, okay? Just so you guys can see it more clearly, I'm going to throw some blue food coloring in it so you guys can see it from where you're at. Okay, mix it all up, the life right here, okay? Water represents life. There is something underneath your guys' dirt. This right here, this diaper, (laughs) I can open it up. Alexis, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of practice with this, huh? (laughs) This stuff right here, this dupper, represents the dirt in your life, the crap, the poop, all that stuff that's in your life that's covering up the life, right? And as what what we do, right, as we take this in in this diaper that is representing all this dirt in your life that's covering up the life, right? Water represents life. There is, okay... Take all this. You guys, you know, want to play something in the background? That'd be awesome. (laughs) I'm making a mess here. I didn't really plan this out. Great. (laughs) All right. So. (laughs) No? You don't want to. You can start. (laughs) There we go. All right. All right, so, now that we have a mess, but we have life here, right? We have water. We have the world. We have the dirt that's covering up the well, the water of life. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Should have prepared. All right, okay. So, what happens is when you are filled your life, right? There's a well inside of you. And what happens is when you have so much dirt, it starts covering up the well. And what ends up happening then is you start to dry up, right? The world has told you that you've, things that you've believed. This is representing all the dirt, all the dirt that comes in and starts covering up your well. The dirt starts to absorb 
the water, the life, come on, and it starts to become hardened, like some of our hearts. It starts to become hardened. This is our cone of depression, right? It creates death, our cone of depression. There's nothing else in there, and we are in that state. We are feeling depressed. Depressed. Why? Because we are losing life. Where's the water? We are losing life. When this happens, this is when you become dry and hardened of heart. And when you fill up with so much dirt, you end up losing life. And let's admit it, for real, we all sin, we all get distracted, and, and we all go through those dry seasons, right? But watch this. What are we supposed to be? Salt, right? We're supposed to be salt. When you don't have much salt inside of you, maybe because you're in a dry season and maybe you slipped up and now you're in sorrow or toil and now you're you know, in sorrow and toil, watch what happens when other brothers and sisters come around you with their salt. Okay? With their salt. And you sit there and you meditate. You revelate. God begins to speak to you. God begins to show you things, right? And as it sits, as you ruminate, as you meditate, God starts speaking to you about wells, about your life, about what your purpose is, about what your destiny is, okay? And underneath all that dirt, you start to become alive again, right? And when you become alive again, then you can pour out into others. As we get ready to sing this next song, you understand that when there's salt involved, dirt has covered it up. The dirt has absorbed all the life inside of you and has covered up your life and it gets dry and hardened but then when other people come around you with their salt because we're supposed to be salt of the world, you start to fill up again and then you can pour back out into other people.